I, uh, gosh, I appreciate that. She was very nervous, and she did a fantastic job, didn't she, guys? Let's uh, pray in preparation for the, the message this morning. Um, Heavenly Father, I, I pray that you would... Uh, I pray that you would be with us this morning. I pray that you would help me to um, be faithful to the the Word of God, Lord. That that um, I would unpack your treasures, Lord. That I would I would bring forth your gospel, the 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 things that are just really worth knowing and having in life, Lord. And I pray that you would be with people who are here, Lord. That that distractions and and um, irritations and everything else, Lord. That it would all be kind of pushed to the side, Lord. And that we would that we would look to you and and hear from you and know you this morning. Um, I pray that through through the message, through the through the music, through everything that we do, that we draw into your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, I am technical difficulties, continuing to have technical difficulties. Um, I, uh, I read an article. I have not been able to find the documentary, um, but I read an article about a fellow named uh, Daryl Davis um, who is a uh, – there's a documentary made about him. And he is a uh, he's a uh, a black man, and and what he does, and what he's been doing for years, um, is he he goes out of his way to befriend members of the KKK, and like he serves them, and he invites them into his home, and he serves them meals, and sometimes they insult him directly to his face, and he calls them brother, and he loves them the best way he can. And actually, in the documentary, I was reading about it. And I really want to see it. I haven't, like I said, I haven't been able to find it. Um, the guy, there's a scene where he goes to the airport and picks up the daughter of a fellow who's in prison, um, and takes her to the prison to see his, see her father. And like, as they're talking, the man says, you know, nobody else has visited me, but this guy comes every week. Um, and, and when he talked about it, like in the article, it talks about how his, the attitude he's approached, um, he's approached these people with. And, and his attitude, he's trying to be like Jesus. He said, well, I'm going to love folks. I'm going to love these guys. They may hate me, but I'm going to love them as much as possible. And they may despise me. They may look down on me. They may you know, even want to hurt me, but I'm going to do my best to love them as much as I can. And apparently, like he has in a closet in his house, he has dozens of robes that people have given him. When they've when they've quit the clan, like he's he's gotten them to give him robes, and he has he has dozens of these things hanging up in a closet as a reminder that that loving folks like makes this huge difference in their lives. Um, I'm I'm starting with that because this is a this is a bit of a challenging text, and it's it's challenging um, because it presents a concept that that it took me years and years to figure out. Most of y'all probably got it right away, so <laughs> just understand I'm in the remedial class. Um, but here's the idea. Being a Christian, what it's about, what we're called to be as followers of Jesus is Jesus. Um, we're called to be like him. We're called to love people like he loves them. Not just because it's a tactic, but because it's a lifestyle. We're called to have hearts that look like his hearts and attitudes that look like his attitude. That we're, I mean, we're literally like transposing him into ourselves. Um, emptying ourselves out and killing off every part of us that's sinful and replacing it with Jesus. And that is a, man, that is a lifelong journey. I, I remember when I became a Christian and I got my first Bible and I read the book of Matthew the first time and I understood about every third word. I, I was in junior high or high school at the time. I don't know. It's been a long time. Um, 
And I thought, well, I have to follow these rules. And I didn't understand at the time that the rules are not the point, right? The point is to, to learn to walk the walk. Um, we're going to get into this as we dive into the text today. We're in John 14. We're sort of building up to Easter here. I said uh, last year, I told myself we're going to preach through this discourse, John 14 and um, 15, before we get to Easter next year. I skipped over it, um, and I'm, I'm coming back to it. Uh, and what's going on at this point? We, we started it last week. Um, we're at the Last Supper, right? Judas has gone to betray Jesus. There's actually a series of blessings and prayers that you say. This is right before the last blessing. And so they're in the middle of the meal. Jesus stops. He washes the disciples' feet. He's done communion. They're at this point, and he stops, and he preaches like three pages worth of sermon, um, which everybody appreciates during dinner. Um, the, uh, the, the big thing here, he starts off, actually, I'm going to read to you the first part here. This is what we looked at last week, and it was super short. The sermon wasn't. Uh, you cannot listen to it online because the recording didn't work for whatever reason. Uh, you know you do a really bad job when even the technology won't save it. Uh, sorry, the recorder wasn't paying attention. Uh, Jesus said, and like he's told them over and over again, hey guys, I'm about to be arrested. Hey guys, I'm about to be killed. Hey, this is the end of my time on earth. The hour is here. He is like, I mean, laid it out as obviously as possible. And he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that, there, that where I am going you may also be. And you know the way to where I am going. Now we're going to pause right there. Um, the first three verses are kind of about heaven, Right? Um, a little bit of a tricky thing. When he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you, it's not that Jesus is going to take on contracting work and he's going to make sure he decorates the floor in your, in your, you know, your room in eternity with like the best shag carpet and, you know, the nicest uh, velvet pictures and all that. I mean, like he's not interior designing in eternity right now waiting for us to die. He goes to prepare a place for us by going to the cross and dying for us, Right. We have no access to God apart from Jesus. There is no way for a place to exist for us apart from his dying for us. And so when he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you, what he's talking about is I'm going to prepare a place in heaven by preparing a way, right? And, and that's, I mean, that's what happens. He is, like they, he's arrested. He's nailed to the cross. God pours all his wrath out on Jesus, like all of the sin you and I commit all of the, the dumb things you say, all of the mean things you say, all the careless things you say, when you don't even bother to do what you're supposed to do, right? That sins of omission, which is, man, I got a pile of them. Um, the, all of that stuff, God pours his, his, his wrath out on Jesus to prepare a way. And from this point forth, we're going to talk about, like for this week, we're going to talk about the way to heaven, like the pathway we go to get there. Um, and it's funny because it's, it's a path that you wouldn't expect. It's like, it's like our, our, you know, this fellow Daryl with his, with his serving people and loving people who hate him. Um, the path isn't, isn't a series of laws we, you know, obey. It's not like, um, it's not like, well, I got to make these trips and do these pilgrimages and I got to say the right prayers at the right time and I can accumulate enough good feeling and God will let me in. 
It's not that stuff. The way is Jesus. Um, and so, like, we're going to dive into this. Um, and real quick before we get to that, I'm going to explain a Jewish concept. Um, and this is where, where the disciples are going to get confused. The word is halak. And I am mispronouncing it, but none of you speak Hebrew, so none of you know, except maybe John. Um, <laughs> halak, which means the way. Now, rabbis in the ancient world, what they would do is they would say that the Torah, right, which is like that first few books of the Bible, verse 5, um, the Torah is the way. It is the way to walk with God. It is not a collection of rules. Rabbis would not look at the law and say it's a collection of rules. It is the way to walk with God. And so when they would say the way, the idea was you would walk with God along the way. Um, relationship with God was about obedience, sure enough, right? But it was an obedience that was sort of built into your life. Um, I, I cannot dance. I, I'm going to say up front. Uh, I, I love Big Sandy, though, because I've never been in a community where people dance more than they do here. And it's interesting to watch, like at, um, the Bitses will do events where they have dancing and, and will do dance tutorials, right? And, and they learn steps, and these are the steps you do. And, like, I might be able to manage the steps. I would cripple the person across from me. But <laughs> it, it's, it's like learning to do a dance, right? You learn the steps. This is the way we do it. Um, I could have sang that. I'm pretty sure that's from a song. Um, now, the halak, very important. And so Jesus says, and you know the way where I'm going. So he's talked about heaven. And he says, hey, you know the way where I'm going. And like the implication here, he's not speaking Hebrew, right? But the implication here is that he is talking about the halak, the way. This is the path you're going to walk. This is the thing you're going to learn. This is the way you're going to live. Um, the way of life is what it would be called. Actually, we see Paul talk about this, you know, the walk in love, walk by the Spirit. Um, some walk as our enemies. They walk worthy of God, like Paul says these things. For John, um, following Jesus is walking in the light, and Jesus is about to explain the walk. He says, hey, you guys know the walk. You know the way. Um, to where I'm going, to heaven. And in jumps Thomas, who has sort of the eternal gift of putting his foot in the mouth, right? Um, and actually, Thomas gets a bad rap. He's sort of the, he's the pragmatist in the group. He really is. Like, he, he wants to see it, he wants to touch it, he wants to feel it, and that's why everybody makes fun of him. Um, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? <laughs> And so, you know, you can almost see everybody in the background like, oh, my gosh, Thomas, what are you talking about? He, I, where is this house you're speaking of? Is it, you know, is it in Galilee? Is it in Rome? Where are we going? Just tell me where to go, and I'll go. Give me a map, and I'll follow it. Um, because he, he didn't get that Jesus is speaking an analogy. He's using analogy to explain heaven, the Father's house. And, and he says, you know, how can we know the way? And Jesus responds, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Now watch this. This is huge. Um, Jesus is the path we follow to heaven, right? You will not arrive in heaven by showing up on Sunday morning. Everybody got that? If that's your plan right now, you're going to need to rethink this. You will not arrive in heaven by giving. You will not arrive in heaven by being better than the guy next to you. You will not arrive in heaven by any way other than the way 
which is Jesus. I mean, that is the only option. Um, and Jesus is going to prepare a way, right? Like he's going to die for us. And in order to like experience that like forgiveness, that new life, that thing that Jesus gives us, like he is it, right? And I'm, I'm going to tell you, this is not easy. I, I have spent my whole week praying about the way, and then I, you know, how do I be more like Jesus? How do I, you know, do these things? I've spent, like, all kinds of time praying, and I swear to you, I spent three quarters of yesterday screwing it up, right? Like, setting out to do it right. Um, but the reality is that we're fallen, and we're sinful, and that's all there is to it, right? Um, like, we're going to stumble, and we're going to struggle along the path. Um, ultimately, the goal is to be like Christ, um, ultimately, the goal is to walk with him, to, to replace us with him, um, to take out the parts of us that, that desire our, our way. I, I desire you know, people to look at me with esteem, and I desire people to follow my directions, and I desire for people to, I mean, I like desire all of these things, and, and we all have that, right? Anybody, you know, anybody not filled with desires most of the time? You know, you turn on the TV and they show you all the cool things you could have. You, know, you see somebody's nice car and you think, man, why can't I have a car like that? You look at somebody else's situation you say, if I could only be like them. Um, and actually, Western Christianity, like we are in the business of setting up ways of life that bring us to heaven, like, like that are not Jesus. Um, I, I have a good friend who talks about, you know, the American dream. If I only have the American dream, then I'll... I'll, you know, this is what the church believes, you know, wife, dog, six kids, white picket fence, the whole nine yards. It's not the way, right? Anybody who tells you that that's the way is wrong. They just are. Anybody that tells you the way like to heaven is by doing more good than anyone else or having good intentions better than anyone else is wrong. The way is to know Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, I'm finding myself a little lost explaining this because I was reading a book by uh, A.W. Tozer this week, and he talks about the Holy Spirit. And he talks about how, like, God's reasoning about things is different than ours, right? Can we all accept that as a basic truth? Anybody want to argue with me here? Um, Because God is spirit. Like, he understands things beyond what we're capable of understanding, and he understands our way of things. And so, like, even on our best day, Trying to understand God's perspective on things is like trying to take one of my son's little toy trucks to plow a field here in Big Sandy, right? You would never be able to do it. You would spend forever doing it, you know, just pushing that little thing along, trying to get a deep enough cut in the ground to break it up. I mean, like, like it would never work. And us trying to really grapple with God on our own, right, by our own power, by our own wisdom, by our own intelligence, it's a struggle, um, it's a struggle that's impossible. The way that we know and understand God is by the Spirit infesting us and filling us up and making us capable of understanding differently. You all with me? Like, and so when Jesus says, I'm the way, we walk according to his teachings and we walk according to his examples. And not only do we do that, but we know him. We know him personally. We We talk with him. We understand how God does things. We understand how how God behaves in the world around us. Like, and it is a growing, lifelong effort. When Jesus says, I am the way, I am the halak, he's saying, I am, you know, I am it. Um, you know, if, you, if you want to arrive in heaven, you, you have to know Jesus. I mean, he says it, in fact. No one comes to the Father except through me, right? 
You will not get there apart from him. And you will not get there by, by any way other than knowing and walking with him. Um, maybe the analogy I would point to would be, you know, my wife. I, I do better in life when I spend time with her. When I plan and I think of great surprises for her and I, I, you know, come up with all these grand ideas apart from her, I don't do as well. And we spend time together, it's amazing how much better I, I fare. Does that make sense? Spending time with Jesus, walking with him, praying to him, the whole nine yards. This is it. This is how we get there. The way, the truth, and the life. Now, this is a a collection of statements, by the way, that John loves. Um, John 1 kind of opens with this. um, And this is actually this statement, I am the way, the truth, and the life, is a summary of the gospel. Like, he starts out, uh, uh, the true light, which gives light. Uh, excuse me, the true light which give light, gives light to everyone was coming into the world. This is in John 1. Later he says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Uh, a little later he says, uh, For from his fullness we have received grace upon grace. Um, this is John 1, which is a very difficult passage to read, but what he's talking about is, um, Jesus comes to give us life, right? Real life. He resurrects us from the spiritual death, the spiritual insensitivity, the spiritual like mire that we're in. He gives us truth, truth that is beyond everything we could possibly understand on our own. Um, and he gives us a way to walk to be like him. Um, teaches, us, teaches us to be like him. Um, and he summarizes it at the end of the book, right? Um, no one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. Now, here's a funny thing. Jesus actually says this over and over again in the book, and the people around him don't get it, right? Because they're trying to understand it from this very human perspective, and they're like, wait a minute, the Father, you've mentioned that. You've said only you've seen the Father because you came from heaven, and you've said that... um, you know, you don't know my father because you don't know me. And you've said, like, he talks about the father all the time. And so when Jesus says, if you had known me, you would have known my father. Um, what he's saying here is, he is saying, um, Jesus literally is the perfect, like, revelation of who God is. Does that make sense? Like, I, I, uh, I've read three or four biographies this year. Um, I, I like biographies quite a bit. Um, Michael teases me quite a bit because I read, I like Theodore Roosevelt bi- biographies. He says I have a man crush. <laughs> and I might. <laughs> um, I have read, and I, in fact, actually in the last two years, I think I've read seven biographies uh, about Theodore Roosevelt, right? Um, and I know a lot about him. However, I never met him. Um, there's a very big difference between knowing a lot about him and actually meeting him. I can glean through the Old Testament and hunt down every detail about who God the Father is. I can tell you God's quality is holy. He is loving. He's, you know, all of these things. Um, but apart from meeting the Father, I can't know him, right? I have an imperfect revelation of who he is until I meet him. Jesus is the perfect revelation of who God is. He is God, like, translated down into the most basic of ideas, the most basic setting where we are, and we can meet the Father by meeting Jesus. Like, and I mean meeting Jesus, not meeting Christians, right? 
I wish it was the case that I could say meeting Christians means meeting Jesus. That's what it's supposed to be. But really, we're, we're not really that good of copies, right? We get to be like, I don't know, have you ever bought a, a, a really bad knockoff of something from China where the language in the instruction manual is really badly translated? We're a little like that in comparison to who Jesus is. Um, Jesus is the perfect example of who the Father is, the perfect revelation. And we do our best and, and won't be perfect until we arrive in heaven. Um, some of us do better than others. There are people in this room who, you know, I, I don't think I'm worthy to wash their feet, honestly. And I'm grateful that I know them and I grow because I know them. But, you know, we're not perfect until we're with him. Um, most of those folks would say, well, you know, that's not me. Um, from now on, from now on, you do know him and you have seen him. What's he saying? He's saying, listen, guys, you've met me. I am like one with the Father. You have met the Father if you've met me. And of course, the disciples, being the sharp crowd that they are, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough. <laughs> and you got to think Jesus is saying, what are you on about? How have you not been paying attention? I've said over and over again that, you know, ah. Um, and Jesus faced palms again, and Jesus said to him, have, you been with, have I been with you so long and you still not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Um, this is a huge statement. This is for the Bible, right? Uh, did anybody see? I, I know this is going to be lost on Stephanie entirely. Um, in the movie, The Empire Strikes Back, some of you guys saw that, right? There's a scene in the end, one of the most groundbreaking movie scenes ever, right? And nobody knew it was coming until it happened, and it shocked the nation when Darth Vader said, you know, I am your father. Right? Like this great shock of a, oh my gosh, all of this time I didn't catch that they were family. Um, it's not a perfect comparison because comparing Jesus to Darth Vader and <laughs> maybe not so much. Um, but understand, like these guys are saying, show us the Father. And he turns around and he says, guys, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Like, he gives the big reveal at the end. This is the moment of, guys, you've been hinting at it all this time. You've seen me. Like, I'm here to show you the Father. This is my job. Um, by the way, a quick disclaimer. It does not mean that Jesus and the Father are the same person. They are separate persons of the one God. They're all united. It's a big conversation I don't want to get into this morning. Understand that when Jesus shows up and he says this, the disciples were probably kind of gobsmacked, right? Like, oh, my gosh, Really? You are the Father? Well, I mentioned it before. Well, you know, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I've mentioned it before. How can you say, show us the Father? Mind you, there's a quick pause here. If you ever want some interesting reading, jump into the Old Testament and read examples of times when people saw God. Right? Um, and you'll find a couple of common threads. Um, Isaiah sees God in the temple. And what does he say? Oh, my gosh, I am doomed. I've seen the Father, seen the glory of God, and, and I'm a man who's unclean, and I am in a lot of trouble. When God manifested on the Mount Sinai, right, like the people could prove that he was there by climbing up the mountain and seeing him face to face a moment before they were completely obliterated, right? Um, we see where uh, Job, Job is mad at God. God, if you would just show up and let me have my day in court. And then God shows up and he's like, Job, you've been doing a lot of talking. How about you shut up and let me talk for a bit? 
And Job's only response is, whoops, <laughs> sorry, you know, sorry. To be face-to-face with the Father like, is the end of all sinful people. It is. God's holiness is a consuming fire, his, his awesomeness. Actually, it's a funny thing. The word awesome is so misused now, right? I, I would say that um, Abriana's song was awesome, right? Awesome in its purest sense. She's sleeping. She didn't hear me say that. Um, uh, <laughs> awesome in its purest sense, like, should only be applied to God. Awe-inspiring. Brings us to a place where we lose words, right? This is who the Father is. For Philip to ask, hey, show us the Father, he's, you know, he's asking for something he doesn't really want. But in the heart of all of us, we all want that. God, let me see you. God, give me some proof. God, make it obvious. God, make this easier. God, make this... I'm here to tell you that easy is not always the best way. Knowing Jesus to know the Father is what's his plan. And it's fantastic because it changes us inside out. The disciples have been walking with him for three years and they still don't get it. Knowing Jesus by knowing Jesus. Knowing God by knowing Jesus. By walking with him. By being filled with his spirit. It, it's a gift designed before creation. And it's worth having. Um, better than eyewitness. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? There's a theological term here, mutual inness. Somebody got paid a lot of money to come up with that phrase. Mutual inness. What does it mean? It means that the Father and the Son are part of each other. It means there is one God, but they're separate persons. Um, but basically what he's saying is, hey, guys, the Father and I are in each other. We are one. Um, the words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. By the way, if you read John, this is another Jesus says it over and over again things, right? I don't do my works, I do the Father's works. I don't say my words, I say the Father's words. The Father is directing me, I'm obedient. I, you know, like this is all, Jesus says, listen, I'm speaking on his behalf. But he's more than just speaking on his behalf, right? Every once in a while, my, my daughter will come in. Um, to, to the bedroom, I'll be sleeping late. My daughter will come in and say, Mom says, anybody know this one? <laughs> Mom says, get out of bed and feed us breakfast. Mom says, get up and get Abby ready for school. Mom says, Abby is a representative. She does not carry all of Mom's authority, right? She thinks she does. Um, there are times she threatens me as though she does. And then she learns very quickly about the, like how power actually works. Um, Jesus is not just standing a puppet. He is not just a, God, the Father told me to come and tell you. Nope. He is speaking as God with his authority, but on behalf of the Father. Everybody with me? Um, if you want to know God, know Jesus. If you want to walk with the Father, walk in the way. If you want to be the person you were created to be, walk in the way, the halak, um, what we were designed for. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. So Jesus says, hey, take my word for it, but if you can't take my word for it, look at the miracles I've performed, look at the work I've done. And honestly, look at the cross because I'm about to die and be raised again, right? Like if you can't believe me based on my word, believe it on the, the work that I've done. Um, and honestly, I don't think that, I think most of us go through that, right? We encounter Jesus and we believe on account of the works. We encounter Jesus and we believe on account of the people around us, the miracles he's performed in other people's lives. 
the changes God has wrought in other people. Um, ultimately, like the real depth of faith that we acquire as we grow is we know Jesus because we know his words, right? And we know him personally. Um, as I kind of close up this week, what, what is all this about? Um, Jesus is both the destination and the way we're supposed to go, Right? If the Father is the destination, if knowing God is the goal, if we know Jesus, we know the Father. So that's the destination. That's the house we're headed toward. How do we get there? We walk with him. And so the, the whole lifelong process of walking with Jesus, the whole lifelong process of learning to love people who are jerks, right? Learning to not be a jerk ourselves. Learning to be selfless and to give. Learning to love people that can do absolutely nothing for us. Learning to walk with God even when it hurts. And I'm guessing that a couple people here have experienced that, right? Where walking with God is miserable and you're like, I just don't want to do this. But this is what he's commanded me to do and this is what I'm going to do. I got up last night. I was mad. I went for a walk and I prayed. Because I wanted to pray? No. Because I was laying in bed and I thought about that passage where it said, you're not supposed to let the sun go down on your anger. And I thought, well, I suppose i got to go talk to God now. <laughs> And I went and talked to God for a while. And you know what? Astonishingly enough, I spent a little time walking with Jesus and putting myself like in front of him, and it changed me. Um, but it's worth having. Hebrews kind of nails this. Uh, I want to share two verses, and then we'll kind of close it up here. Um, Hebrews nails it. Hebrews talks about heaven and how in heaven there's this great temple that God resides in and how we can't approach the Father on our own because we're not holy, we're not clean, we're not pure. Um, Hebrews has this great line, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the Holy of Holies by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he has opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. As we prepare for Easter, as we like, like, like prepare to celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus, understand like what we're celebrating is Jesus setting the way. Setting the way to approach the Father, our Creator. Like setting the way for us to become who we are meant to be. And like honestly setting the way that we're supposed to live. Like he is the way, our destination and our lifestyle. Uh, for through him we have both access in one spirit to the Father. So that you are no longer strangers and aliens. But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. If you ever stand in a room of believers and feel like you are an outsider, a citizen, like an alien and a stranger, it's a lie. Because through the way, like walking in Christ and becoming like Christ, we are members of God's household. Like that is a gift worth receiving. Um, my challenge for you and my prayer for you is to, is to ask you, how are you doing with this lifelong trip? And it is a lifelong trip. You will never arrive. And anybody who told you he has is lying. Got it? Anybody who says, I have perfected myself in Jesus is not understanding what it really means to be like Jesus. They have a very small perception of what it means to be like Christ. This is a lifelong journey. And my question is, how are you doing? Is walking with Jesus about a tacit belief? Oh, he's out there. Oh, I will even say that Jesus was God. Or is it about a life we live? Are you, are you walking in the halak? Are you walking in the way? Is your life reflecting who Christ is in you? What Christ died for you to be? 
Um, if it's not, what do you need to do to get there, right? Where do you need to grow? If you need help with it, ask the people around you. You are surrounded by people who are profound believers and will call. I had somebody call me out this week, and I was grateful for it well afterward. <laughs> because God has blessed us with people who will call us out, right? It helps us grow. We learn the halak from each other, from the Holy Spirit speaking to those who are around us. And it's worth having. I'm going to close in prayer, and I'll let you all be. Um, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless the folks who are in this room. Help them to walk like Jesus in their hard times and in their joy. Help them to be like Christ. Help them to recognize that, that everything in life is about this relationship we grow in, to know, with, to know Jesus, to be like Jesus, um, to become new creations in him. Bless us and keep us in that. Help us to be like you. Amen. Nursing home today, uh, we're leaving in about